about an hour, the first thing he asked me was, hey, what do I think about Nine9.co? <coughs> uh, I think, oh, not bad. Uh, very good user <laughs> interface. Oh, I'm serious. Uh, and then I said, oh, there are a lot of property platforms out there. Uh, do you think I can do another one to compete? Uh-huh, then... Welcome, welcome to another episode of Launchbite. I am your host, Chris Chai, and with me is my regular co-host, Brian Lee. Hello! This is a podcast where we talk about entrepreneurship in Singapore and other random things that interest us. In this show, we talk about the big F word, failure. As a startup, especially in Singapore, we tend to shy away from the topic of failure. So the question is, how should we deal with it? Hey, Brian, how Hello. are you doing? I am good. Uh, recording from home today and uh, I just changed my com. I changed to a Mac Mini oh, yeah? with a desktop screen. I think I'm getting old so I need a desktop screen. <laughs> Actually, I'm... Uh, yes, so maybe talk a little bit about this. Uh, so I changed it to a desktop screen, uh, Mac yeah. Mini and uh, uh, so that I can be... So when you're using laptop, you're sitting in a crouching manner, right? I just... Uh-huh. Mm, yeah, maybe really the edge is catching up. Uh. So I, I just thought that uh, if I shift it to a monitor screen and if I look forward, uh, I, I actually feel more comfortable and uh, there's le- less neck pain. Mm-hmm. Mm. You, you don't find it that you have neck pain? Uh, yeah, I do. Time? So yeah. even when I'm using my laptop, right, if mm. I can, I will set up a monitor or at least raise the laptop so that it's at eye level. Yeah. So I think... Posture is something that's a very important thing that a lot of us neglect when we first start out because if you're going to spend 8, 10, 12 hours a day sitting down in your seat and looking at your screen, you're going to be hunched over, you're going to get a neck ache, Mm. you're going to get a back ache. So you have to be, you know, conscious about how you're treating your body, especially when you're working such long hours. So yeah, comfort is really a big thing. Will you invest... uh before we jump to the big F word, will you invest in a chair that is $700 and above? That's uh-huh. so, <laughs> so, I've sat in those chairs before. I've sat like in... So they call it Herman Miller, right? Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> there are some very expensive chairs that have very good like lumbar support and all of that. Um, they are $1,000 and up. And even if you get them on discount, it's like maybe $800. Wow. So, uh, I sat in those chairs and I was just kind of like, eh... This doesn't feel firm enough for me. Can I get my IKEA chair back? Oh, your IKEA person. So, like, I literally have this IKEA chair that I've had for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, after I left that other company, I was like, hey, guys, you guys don't like this chair, right? Can I take it along with me? Then I brought it home. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, no, like, I think it really depends on your posture and what kind of um, position you're comfortable in. Uh, I prefer a firm, well-cushioned, supported back and seat. So this particular IKEA chair was perfect for me. The problem is that they don't manufacture it anymore, so I'm stuck with this one when it breaks down. I don't know what I'm going to do. You need to find an alternative. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. So it's, it's something that, um, something that I, I kind of think is really important to us as developers or as startup people as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I yeah. thought the like for example sitting on a desktop mm. but you cannot sit too long uh. but I think uh, like for example 45 minutes you need to stand up and walk around if you keep sitting there like for a few hours uh, I understand there are times where if you are doing development you get too engrossed you are stuck there 
yeah. but I just uh, so what I do is I leverage on um, uh, drinking water so I, I place a bottle here so if I finish the bottle I force myself to stand up and you know, go to the restroom and fill the water and come back again yeah and that's what the pull up bar is for in the office right <laughs> yes <laughs> so okay let's move into uh, the topic for today failure Mm. Okay, yeah. yeah. So um, I think we both read this article that you sent over. Um, mm-hmm. The title of this, uh, let's see. Why acceptance, why, accept- of, yeah. why acceptance of failure is critical to startup success. Mm-hmm. So this is a very uh, interesting topic that has been thrown around quite a lot. And uh, I guess also going through the whole startup process, you think about uh, all the different kinds of situations you end up in, the setbacks and um, sometimes complete and total failure, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, this is something that we think about, we hear about, we read about, but then when it happens to us, it still sucks. Yes. Yeah. So what do you think, Brian? What do you think about failure and what do you think about this culture of like fail fast and whatever mm. else? Yeah. Is? So uh, before I dive into the thought process, I also want to mm-hmm. touch on... Uh, uh, some of the setbacks that the article uh, actually uh, highlighted like for uh-huh. example uh, raising too much capital yeah. uh, hiring too quick uh, building too much features before market validation and so on and yeah. I, I think that uh, earlier on when we were doing some casual talks like uh, uh, when we talk about articles and when we are talking about others having this problem then we, we say that we learn from it uh, but when we truly face this kind of problem, uh, we might handle it differently. Because I yeah. think the... Um, so most of the startup topics, articles, uh, books that we read, they are from the US pers- perspective, or rather mm. from uh, Silicon Valley, where I think they are much... Uh, mm, they are more open to taking failure. But yes. the education... Mm, I always like to... Not that I like to point back to education but the way that we are brought up and uh, uh, trained or educate throughout the years has made us I think uh, some of us uh, less prone to acceptance of failures so for example it is always not a, always a must but it is ideally for you to score very well to go PSL, uh, PSLE to go to yep. a top secondary school to go right. to a top poly or a top uh, JC and good results into the uni. So for right, right. all this this path, right? There's no failure. If you go, if you achieve failure, you are in the double quote double quote ITE. Right, and right, that's right. where I think uh, I'm not saying that ed- education should change, but I think the mindset for us Singaporeans should change. Otherwise, we uh, in this uh, with reference to this article, right? we might not be able to accept step back one, once we uh, fall. It's hard to stand up again. Yeah, and I think um, ultimately if you think back to all the times, like, like say if you fail your O-levels, you fail your A-levels, you fail what, some math module in university, mm-hmm. who cares? Like yeah. after, after one year, two years, after you redo it, after you pass again, after you get a mediocre grade or mm-hmm. you just get through you scrape through mm-hmm. who cares like how does it affect your life right now and how does it affect you as a person your self-worth so the problem is that I think also partially because of the way that um, the, our parents generation was brought up mm-hmm. uh, the kind of messaging that was given to them the kind of 
mindset that was spread among them that hey you know the way to a good life a way to a comfortable life a way to success in life is if you become a doctor become a lawyer become someone who is highly educated someone who is uh, earning money because of the degree that they have right that's a very different kind of mindset because in those days there was a lot of opportunity to fill up these professional roles and there was a lot of opportunity to um, create value by providing that kind of academic knowledge a kind of um, great base success but nowadays it's so different that a lot of things depend on you being able to um, fail and start again being able to see when you're making a mistake and being able to accept that you're making a mistake and carry on doing things in a different way. Mm. Actually, I agree the part where you talk about like uh, filling your meds, uh, filling your other modules, and in the end, no, actually nobody really cares. But this, this part, right, um, we still haven't drew it into our mind. We still think that if I fail my meds, next time my employer will think bad about me because I fail my meds. But the truth is, the truth is, uh, they don't really care. Like when I look yeah. at CV, I don't really care you fail your maths. But what I really hope that the person is willing to learn and to be able to execute because uh, there are a lot of things that you can learn online right now. You don't even need a proper cert. That's how I see it. Uh, because if you can be competent enough to learn online, you can go really deep. True. Yeah. So, yeah, part of it is also attitude is a big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying that uh, education is not important, but oh, yeah, the yeah. reliance, the ability to accept that sometimes things go wrong, sometimes you're not in control mm-hmm. and being able to stick a step back and say like, okay, uh, I did this wrong, how do I fix this? As opposed to, okay, I did this wrong, I give up. Mm. That's a very different uh, kind of attitude and that makes the difference in whether or not you'll be able to succeed in a startup or not. And even then, even with all those, right, it is still high risk. So, I can't. I can't deal with uh, situations where like, okay, yeah, I, this is not working. Can we just can we just give up and go do something else? Then all the effort that you put in is wasted. Mm. Actually, this is the very fine line about failure between mm. giving up and failure. Failure yes. is to me right. So so before we dive in, mm. I just want to highlight failure to me is you have given your hundred and ten percent, but yes. that thing really cannot. No choice yes. cannot go. Means no game. Absolutely. But if you're telling me that you go, you go 60% and you think that, oh, there are a lot of obstacles and uh, never mind. People say failure is good. But that's not failure. You're just yeah. giving up. <laughs> that's yeah, a big difference. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we want to highlight, yeah, highlight this point to everyone. Uh, like, be it uh, going to start something or starting something. Mm-hmm. There's a big difference between uh, failure and giving up. That's how I see it. Yeah, absolutely. And like the article says, like, there's so many mistakes that you can make when you first start out. And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. a lot of the times, these mistakes are things that you need to learn from. Mm-hmm. You need to be able to watch out for. And if you can, you'll plan for them. Mm-hmm. But as long as these mistakes happen at a time where you expect them to happen or you are prepared to handle them, mm-hmm. you can go on. Um, it's only when like there are a lot of mistakes or things that don't go your way and then you end up being in a situation where it's really hard to recover, then be ready to fail. Be ready to like, okay, this is not working. How do we do something else? Or how do we get out of the situation? Yeah. It happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah actually so. it's true. Mm. 
in the article, it was also telling, uh, he, he only pointed out uh, a, a country. So I'm going to exactly quote it, right? He's, he says that it, it, in France, uh, it is hard. So it is worse for startup founders to fail because they will have to shoulder personal liabilities. And uh, right. I think earlier right. we talked about it, like in Singapore, actually we are re- relatively friendly uh, because mm-hmm. when we start a private limited company, if it goes down, then uh, you don't actually get the personal liability. We are actually protected uh, in a certain sense. Correct. Uh, yeah. Uh, and I think that, uh, so he w- his question was, maybe policy can affect the amount of risk that an entrepreneur takes. Sure. So, sure. so what do you think about locally? Um, so actually, I was going to ask this question to you, right? Okay. Do you think it's better for the founder to take personal risk and to understand completely that if this business fails, it is his fault? Or uh, is it better to limit that risk by using these structures like private limited and things like that where the risk is really mitigated? Uh-huh. So ultimately, the founder is protected against complete failure and you might argue that you know uh he won't be he won't be too averse to taking very high risk because at the end of the day he is not personally affected what do you think about that Mm, actually uh when i was first reading the article i would go for the part where uh actually having some form of personal liability within the company actually helps because it will push you to go even further for example uh, you are going 60% it will push you to go even up to 110% because you have something in it but if you are totally out of the game right you have no skin in the game uh, yes you can take more risk because you know that you are not affected you in another words you can anyhow and you can raise super a lot of money to do uh, some things uh, within a year but you could you might not be going at a long you might not be thinking a long term perspective you might be thinking a short term perspective right, right. Uh, that's how I see it um, to me after reading the whole article and sitting down and think about it right I will still think that if a founder has some skin in the game it will help that startup okay but uh, here's Okay, so initially I was going to argue for this side as well, okay. but <laughs> let me switch. Oh, let me okay. switch around. Okay, so uh, the problem with having personal liability in running your company, right, mm-hmm. is that suddenly if your business fails, your house is on the line, your family's livelihood is on the line, your mm-hmm. savings is on the line, mm-hmm. your kids don't have a place to stay mm-hmm. if you fail in the company, and if you have that kind of risk involved, right? Mm-hmm are you sure that you want to take high-risk situations? Are you sure that you want to put yourself in a situation that has even a little bit of risk? Um, I would say that I will take a little bit of risk, but I won't be taking high risk, and which is the problem I think you have to access. Because if I'm not taking high risk, mm. I won't see innovation. So let's take, for example, the classic role model, Elon Musk. So mm. if he has to take a lot of personal liability, right, just right. to run SpaceX, right. I, I'm just speculating, maybe, maybe he won't exactly run SpaceX. So actually, that's... The innovation might not be there. That's it something... It could be very okay. simple innovation like a e-commerce site or something. 
All right, so that's something that I completely disagree with because he funded it himself. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. he threw he f- all his money in. Correct. So yeah. SpaceX, um, not a good example. Tesla and <laughs> yeah. uh, Solar City. Mm. These were things that he invested in, and he put his own personal finance at stake. And he went bankrupt, or he pretty much almost went bankrupt. And at the end of the day, he was the one who really pushed for it because this was his make or break, right? Or at least that's the story that we hear, lah. Mm-hmm. So. In those cases, it is an example of what personal liability is or will look like if you put it into a company like that. And uh, the problem is that a lot of us don't have that kind of uh, don't have that kind of resources to really put in everything ourselves, right? But uh, just want to clarify or just to okay. So for example, okay, so no doubt that he put all his uh, uh, his own money in. Mm. But let's say if SpaceX goes down, right? The additional uh, loans, uh, uh, contract commitment to NASA and whatever not, right? Doesn't goes to him. Doesn't right. goes to him. But in France, right? The the if I'm not wrong, the article is saying that um, if you, I'm just trying to see when you start the company, um, if something goes wrong, right? You. Uh, all the contract liability also goes to you. Yes, goes that's to, yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so mm-hmm. carry on. I'm just saying, like, yes, Elon put his ma- money in the game, right? Everything, but he he doesn't. Um, his risk is different. Uh, there's no, there's no after risk. There's, the contractual risk is not there. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, not right now Singapore also don't have contractual risk because all the contract is tied to the private limited itself correct yeah. correct so the thing is that Elon Musk chose to put in all his personal mm-hmm. to shoulder the liability on his own personal um, finances yeah. he chose to do that but at any point he probably could have stopped and said like okay I'm not putting any more money into this I'm keeping this for myself and if the company had gone under he would have been safe with whatever else he had not put in Correct. Because, Correct. Yeah. yeah. But whereas in France, even if you don't put in all your money, right, mm. as soon as your company goes under, they can come after your house, your car, yeah. your family home. That's that's definitely true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's too much for me. Yeah, <laughs> mm. yeah no, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So the thing is that um, these business rules are in place to protect both the founders as well as the creditors and the investors. Because mm. uh, whatever you put into the company, that is your... That's like your checkpoint, your safe point. If you lose it all, that's all you're going to lose. You're not going to incur liability that's outside of that company. And that's something that is very useful for you because you can take risks, but you always know that the risk is mitigated to this amount. You will lose everything in the company, but you will not lose more than that. Mm. You always understand where your liability is. I might be oversimplifying it a lot, and those who are more familiar with like accounting and all that will probably have a better idea than this. But um, that is how I generally view things when you are taking a decision, especially as a founder. Yeah. You need to understand what kind of risk you are taking. In fact, uh, understanding... Actually, startup is about de-risking. Uh, uh, mm. And I have to admit, I don't really understand when I first started. <laughs> but now I know. Every step, every decision you take is about how to reduce the risk uh, at every point. I mean, when running a startup, because it's simply too risky. Yeah, no, yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think 
when we do up a plan or making any decision, uh, yeah. one of the key uh, things that I think about now is about how to de-risk this situation or how to de-risk uh, this particular uh, contract or this product. It's all about validating the idea and I think it's just some of the uh, common things to do. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, given that, right, how would you de-risk, um, say you're just starting out, you don't really know uh, what kind of situations you're going to be in, how would you go about de-risking, like, say, the first six months? First six months mm. of uh, starting up? Yeah. Okay, so yesterday I was talking to a friend, so I wanted to meet me. And when he, uh, so I talked, I chat with him about an hour. The first thing he asked me was, hey, what do I think about <coughs> uh, 99.co? And I think, oh, not bad. Uh, very good user <laughs> interface. Oh, I'm serious. Uh, and then I said, oh, there are a lot of property platforms out there. Uh, do you think I can do another one to compete? Uh, then, then right now, his, his idea is he's going to quit his job. Uh, uh-huh. But he has his six months of saving okay. already. Uh, and he's a property analyst. Right, right. So now that he see the startup scene, is like, wow, booming, right? Mm, okay, like growing. Then he wants to join the game. So uh, so the next question is, how is he going to de-risk himself for the next six months to test out his idea? Mm. His idea is like a property platform, very similar mm. to 99co, very similar to Property Guru. Uh, right. But the way that he is trying to flip the platform is instead of the uh, instead of the property agents that is paying to do the listing, he's trying to see if he can flip the market over where the buyer will come in and try to pay a form uh, of fee for mm-hmm. better market research and all this stuff. He's coming for a research angle uh, to showcase the listing of okay. properties. But now that you've given away your friend's business model to Darius. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I should cut away this part. But it's okay, it's okay. It's not about the idea, yeah. it's about the execution. Sure, yeah. yeah. Okay. But okay, so how is he going to test this idea? So if... Uh, actually, right now, how am I supposed to say this? Because I did have a thought process on how to share this idea. Uh, to test this idea in a very uh, affordable way within the first two, three months. Yeah, uh, but I decided not to share it because uh, it's too dangerous. Yeah, no, but I'm no, gonna take because uh, it's execution. But yeah, that's 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 an ac- very interesting way to look at it, right? Yeah. How do you minimize? Because for the first six months, for the first year, for yeah. even the first like eighteen months, I would say keeping your cost low is yeah. the best way to de-risk your startup because yes. you never know when you need the money to do something that is critical and that will happen at any time. Maintaining I, your low cost. Yes, right? I just remember a very good example. And we can mm. say without any problem, one. Mm. VC. You told me VC started with Facebook group, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. They it were a very good way of de-risking. They started Facebook group. Maybe uh, I think uh, Derek was still keeping his job with uh, yeah. Cool Iris. They yeah. test, 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 test. Hey, there are people who are into all these uh, local firms. Maybe yeah. you can shift it to our platform. And uh-huh. this way, they 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 de-risk it. They they do not have any risk to their uh, financials. I mean, uh-huh. they have, uh, they, wait, uh, they use more time, mm-hmm. although they use more time, but that time is being compensated with, hey, my idea is validated. Yes, exactly. And they use an existing platform, like uh, it's already built. Maybe it's not Correct. exactly the feature of uh, VitC right now, mm-hmm. but it's somewhat of an idea that when they first started, they wanted to do. 
Yeah, exactly. So in most cases, your core value proposition can be tested with existing platforms or with an existing community. Mm-hmm. And uh, in this case, like the steps that they took were very, very smart. So like you said, the Facebook group first, just to gauge interest and see how many people shared, how many people liked. And then ultimately, like they took the step to build a platform. Mm-hmm. But even when they built the platform, right, they didn't take the initial money and like form a team and started paying salaries immediately. Mm-hmm. It was a small contract work where they could iron out the idea with uh, a vendor who helped them build it, mm-hmm. i.e. me. So yeah, uh, it's the way that they did it was very smart. It mitigated risk at any stage and if at any point that um, they felt like it wasn't going to work, they could have stopped. And then ultimately from there, they grew from a very solid base with minimal spending and ultimately managed to build a lot of value mm-hmm. within the first year which was amazing. Yeah. And, I, and I think they are a really good example of how to de-risk in the first six months. Use an uh, existing platform to test out your idea. If it's viable, move to a contract or maybe ask an agency to support. When yeah. it's very, definitely 110% verified, build your own team to do it. Yeah. 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 So, so also another thing that I kind of realized when I was first starting out as well, a way that I de-risked it was that I sat down and I planned a lot. But that's just my character. I like mm-hmm. to plan. I like to look at numbers. I like to look at financials. What if situations. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can spend a lot of time doing this and sometimes it just doesn't work out at all. But that gives you an idea of what kind of things can happen and how you should react to these plans. It's like playing chess. You think ahead of like how many moves. Mm. And the way that you can do that, right, is to go out and talk to people who are experienced in the industry. They might not even be doing the same company as you. In fact, you probably don't want to talk to those people at the start. You want to talk to people who have started up before, what are the things they looked out for, what are the mistakes that they made, so that you can include that in your plan. And that, I find, having that plan in front of you allows you to understand where the winds are blowing Mm-hmm. how things are changing, what situation you are in. And that way, you know, you're, you do risk quite a bit by being on top of what's happening to you at that point in time. Hmm. I think it makes a lot of uh, sense. But for, uh, for me, slightly different. I, actually, I don't plan a lot. I like to do things uh, like do first thing later. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, there is consequences to all this uh, but do first thing later helps you to move fast definitely but uh, there's consequences there's pros and cons uh, to both methods you need to know when you do first how much input do you want to give it uh, it's yeah. a form of de-risking but uh, uh, it might not be as good as uh, planning because planning you will know what's the step ahead do first thing yeah. later might not have that stuff ahead. So you, it's a balance. So you need to be able to plan and you also need to be able to do. But when you do, right, you need to have a goal in mind. Uh-uh. So um, you should move fast, you should focus, and you should set a goal and then you reach that goal. It's like sprint, It's like doing short sprints. Lah, uh-uh. Right? Uh-uh. So when you do these short sprints, after you finish the sprint, you look at your timing. Hey, okay, I think I can do this a bit faster. Let me try this again the next time around. Or change it a bit, change the technique a bit. Uh-huh. change uh, some sort of like review um, of what you're doing so planning only goes so far as to tell you like what could happen if you don't actually do it right you're just gonna sit there and think all day and not be able to execute oh, yeah. and that's that's never a place that you want to be because the more time you waste the more likely your competitor is gonna come in or the more or you're gonna be burning money at the simplest 
uh, simplest way to look at it. Mm. So yeah, it's it's definitely a balance of planning and doing. And a lot of times, if you know how to manage this properly, right, you will be able to get through the first few months quite easily. And you understand like where it is. Then once you get your product out, once you get a solid thing to really validate your idea, right, then it's a different kind of de-risking that you need to do. I agree. Yeah. So yeah, we could probably go on and talk about this. Wow, like, this one can talk day. two hours. Uh. <laughs> yeah, because the entire process is so complex that you need to kind of change your mindset almost at every stage of your company. Mm. Yeah, when you're a small startup and just a couple of people, right? you take a higher resource risk for sure. But once you start hiring other people, once you dedicate like, this is a monthly salary I'm going to be paying all of you, then your thought process changes a lot. Like the way that you look at how you build the product, the way that you manage their morale, their um, resource that they're burning, it becomes very different. Mm. Yeah. So a whole different set of de-risking things. We'll probably talk about it in some other show. But yeah. Yeah. But we have a new segment that I want to jump in. <laughs> Yeah, the okay. tech, tech product, right? Uh, yeah, pick of the week. So, <laughs> um, do you have a pick of the week that you want to share? Oh, actually, uh, this, I have the same, same thought process, uh, but mine's a different, uh, I, I'll let you go first. Okay, sure. So, um, the thing that I wanted to share today, right, was uh, this Tortuga packable day pack mm-hmm. so um, recently I've been traveling quite a bit and I like to backpack so literally I do not bring like a suitcase or anything along with me I just put everything into my backpack but I find that um, sometimes I want to just want to go out to a cafe with my laptop and sit down and like answer emails or code or just do some uh, chill out reading right mm-hmm. and um, having carrying around my entire backpack with all my stuff in it is very bulky or even if I empty everything into the Airbnb or hotel room it's still very bulky to carry around so I started going online to look for an idea of like a backpack a day pack that can be kept inside my backpack and uh, this is what I found the Tortuga packable day pack I'll put a link in the show notes uh, so it's really cool because it can compact down into a little uh, little pouch and the pouch can quite literally fit in your front of your backpack and mm-hmm. it takes up very little space and if you really wanted to you can put it into a suitcase or anything along those lines uh, when you take it out it's like a regular like 10 liter uh, day pack mm-hmm. so it's quite easy quite easy to pack um, water or your laptop and all the other things in there. There are a few other day packs, but this is the only one that I found that had a laptop com- laptop compartment to keep your laptop against your back. So oh, there's a yeah. dedicated laptop compartment? Yeah, yeah. Oh, then this one win already. Okay, because yeah. how, how much is this bag? Uh, this was like 54 US. Yeah, 54, 54. USD. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so my, uh, my pick of the week, it's actually a laptop stand but before I go to a laptop stand I just want to share uh, in uh, Decathlon Decathlon Singapore is a, is a fitness mall where they sell a lot of stuff cycling stuff hiking stuff anything uh, they have this kind of bag right uh, day pack which you can roll it into like a small pouch uh, only for $10 oh wow okay. but, but, but they do yeah. not have a dedicated laptop bag it's just it's right, just like right, a, right. You, you, you can carry it it's like a uh, normal day pack, but it's just one hole or one big hole where you throw everything in. There's no compartment oh, okay. at all. Yeah, yep, yep. Uh, but it's super cheap. Uh. <laughs> so, 
Yeah, no, that sounds like it's very convenient for especially running, right? Oh yeah, yeah, that's yeah. for right. yeah. Uh, so my 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 uh pick of the week is actually a laptop stand. Uh, mm. so earlier I said because I changed it to a, a mini, right? But yeah. uh, in the office I also use a laptop. But I have a stand that I bought it uh about fifteen dollars uh uh-huh. from Q10. Uh, uh, and yeah. I think office everyone is using it. Yeah, Not everyone, uh, most it. of the people. Oh yeah, you're also using it. Yes, yeah, and yeah. that's my pick of the week. And I think using laptop, right? It really strains uh. your neck and. If possible, if you're not into getting a desktop, if you're not getting a monitor, the least you can do to treat your neck and shoulder better is to get this stand. And yeah. it's very portable because uh, you, can, uh, you can flatten it, you can keep it in the back, uh, it's aluminium, it's not heavy, and uh, you can even use it for roadshow because you can put it to any height and uh, if you have an iPad, and you have a roadshow, you can use it, you can stand the iPad and people can key their email address on it. Yeah. And I think... Uh, oh, yeah, it's very cheap. And uh, I think uh, that's my pick of the week. And I really love this. And I even bought one additional one. That means I have two. One for myself, <laughs> one for Legion. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, really useful. Yeah. So that's the, my pick of the week. Okay, awesome. Mm. All right, I guess that brings us to the end of the show. Uh, Brian, where can we find more about you? You can find more about me on Twitter at L-E-E-T-U-C-K-S-I-N-G. And you can find me on Twitter as well at A-N-T-T-Y-C. You can find more about our show at our website, www.launchbyte.com. And you can subscribe to us on any of the links that Brian will be sharing. Yes. Yeah, pretty much like RSS, iTunes, it's everywhere. (laughs) Okay, great. Yeah, so I guess that's it. Thank you guys for listening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.